Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Uh, all right, you guys, to further explain what we're doing tonight, she's here right now, the one and only Amy Spaulding. Thanks, guys. It's so nice. Was, I thought that was an optical illusion at first, and I was like, we should see the eye doctor. I wanted to mention Summer of Jordy Perez is now in paperback. So if you're like, I like books, but I hate when they're pointy, this is softer. So it's good for you or an accident-prone friend or just for like a stack of these a cat could lay on. So there's a lot of options. But tonight, 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 we are here to talk about my new book, We Used to Be Friends. It looks like this. It's out in stores like this store. I'm really, really excited about this book because unlike all the happy romantic comedies I wrote, it is a book about a best friend breakup, and multiple people have told me it made them cry in public transportation, which I didn't realize was a life goal until I did it, and now it's checked off more than once, so I'm real happy about that. And the story is told in two points of view, James and Kat, their years go forward and backwards, so James is told from end to beginning, Kat's is told from beginning to end. If any of you know the musical The Last Five Years, it is based on that structure. Someone said to say inspired by because it sounds less plagiarism-y. I don't care. <laughs> Jason Robert Brown, come at me. Don't, actually. This is a po I, they record this as a podcast, so now there's proof that I said that. <laughs> so normally at these, you know, I do this part, and then I read, and the reading part, I always get, like, shaky and nervous, even though I don't know why. I've been talking. We're all friends, and I wrote this book. But good news also, because I have a sinus voice, the two actors from the audiobook of We Used to Be Friends are here tonight. And, like, I feel weird telling you how good the audiobook is because the words are mine, but it doesn't matter because these two women have brought so much to it and it's so beautiful that it's like it does not matter that I wrote the words. I, like, cried at part of it. I was like, this is weird. It's so moving, but also, like, I did know what was, I wrote it. So, but. I, it's such a treat. Um, it's such a treat that I, I luckily got to cast the two people I wanted most in these roles. And then to have them here tonight is just an extra special treat for me, for all of you. So Julia Whelan is going to come up and read from the very beginning of the book, um, James's opening. And then Cassandra Morris is going to read from Kat. So I think I'm going to let Julia read because hers needs no introduction. It's the very beginning of the book. I'm going to give you a little bit of what you need to know on Kat's POV before Cassandra reads so she can just commit herself to the craft. <laughs> so without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Julia Whelan. Okay, don't turn on Siri. No, I forgot, I forgot something important. Which is social media. Hey, so I'm on Twitter at the Ames, and I'm on Instagram at that Ames. What is your Instagram? Just Julia Whelan. But just as part of it. It's not just. It's it's just Julia Whelan is her is her handle. Is it Whelan? Oh my God, we've been friends so long. I'm sorry. Well, I've learned something tonight. 
All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right, guys. Hi. I'm not going to ruin that wonderful in introduction by doing a thing, so here we go. Because she says it doesn't need an introduction, so. By the time you realize you're thirsty, it's too late. You're already dehydrated. Therefore, it stands to reason that if you feel the end coming, you're already there. I've had four heartbreaks. The first was Tony Aldana, who kissed me at our sixth grade dance and then laughed about it the next day in the cafeteria. Back in grade school, I'd gotten teased, not exactly constantly, but enough for being a girl with a boy's name, and this dragged into middle school for a while. And I might have been worthy of kissing during a semi-dark sixth grade dance, but I was still seen as too much of a weirdo for Tony to be okay with it in the bright sunlight of lunch. The story behind my name is so boring that now it's funny to me that it briefly marked me as weird. Mom and dad expected a boy, and the boy was to be named James McCall III. And when I showed up a girl, dad apparently cried about his family legacy until mom, in an epidural haze, agreed. <laughs> Bryce Bradley was my first real boyfriend, if eighth grade boyfriends count. We went on long walks around our neighborhood after school every night while discussing the day's events. Dad thought he seemed like a fine young man. Mom merely said, way to go, James, in a knowing tone I'd never heard from her before. Then, suddenly, Bryce didn't have the time for the walks, and our texting looked lopsided in my direction. He didn't tell me. I had to walk into homeroom and hear Lila Boyer telling Jessamine Williams that Bryce had taken her on a real date the night before, and she was pretty sure it was the real thing. In retrospect, she was probably quoting something she'd heard in a TV show, but at the time, between that and her sleek, pixie haircut, Lila was improbably chic and mature. No wonder Bryce was over me. Then there was Javier, who showed up the summer before sophomore year. He was staying with his aunt and uncle, our next-door neighbors, and we somehow managed to hit every boy and girl next-door cliché that existed. There were flashlights and signs and climbing up trees to second-story windows. We kissed in my bed under my covers, which felt dangerous and sexy and important, even though our clothes stayed on. I dreamed of scenarios that kept him in L.A., but none of them mattered because two weeks into August, he had to go home, back to Texas. I can't explain why I knew it was over. Phones and social media exist. But when he hugged me goodbye, I knew that it was for forever. I hardly ever cry, but I cried every day of that third week of August. And I told myself I'd never let anyone get that close again because the risk was too big. I fell for Logan anyway, which didn't even matter. I hadn't been looking in the right direction to know where the real danger was coming from. After all, the boys added up. Tony, Bryce, Javier, and I guess Logan too, didn't come close to this. There are breakup tunes and lovesick ballads and celebrating that he was gone anthems. It was easy to believe that romance was the only heartache out there. Guys, she's just that good for the whole book. <laughs> so anyway, check out the audiobook. So Cassandra's going to read Max's cat, but the section I wanted her to read was a meet-cute because, A, I love a meet-cute, and also because so much of this book is depressing, and so much of it's not, and so I wanted to have part of it that was, like, really fun. So 
the beginning of the beginning of Cat's story starts at the beginning of senior year. She just finds out her stupid hipster boyfriend Maddie was cheating on her, and so she breaks up with him and causes quite a quite a public display in the hallways. So the first weekend of her senior year, which she thinks is going to be like parties and fun, is she's just like super depressed and feeling crappy about it. She lost her mom two years ago, so she's still really grieving that. So she's she's going through some stuff. So I th is that, do you think that's enough? Cassandra's nodding, so I trust her inherently. Great, so Cassandra's gonna read a part that's not sad. Enjoy it! The next time I emerge from my room, thinking about maybe watching TV, I find Dad in the living room doing exactly that. It's my first Saturday night as a senior, and I'm having literally the same evening as my 46-year-old father. Maybe worse, he was at least thinking about dating. He's not cursed. I'm going to walk to Vaughn's, I tell Dad. We're out of, I can't think of what we're actually out of, but luckily he just gives me cash and waves me off. Feels good to be out of the house again. And I hope that it's not a bad omen of my future, that it also feels good to be alone. Up ahead of me, I hear a dog barking, but not any sort of threatening barking. It's the sound of tiny yapping. And when I turn the corner onto Pass Avenue, a little black and white dog makes a beeline for me. Catch him, someone shouts, and I don't question it. I've never been athletic like James, but I can be fast in short bursts. And within moments, the dog is in my arms, continuing to yap and protest. Oh my God, thank you. The dog chaser catches up with me, and I realize it's someone from school. Magnolia Park is big, so there are a lot of people like this girl who I recognize on site, but couldn't name if I was being held at gunpoint. Not even under much less stressful circumstances. I hold on tightly to the loud squirming dog, who's clearly already plotting another escape. Is this your dog? He's my aunt's dog. She reaches out to clip a leash to the dog's collar. She's letting me watch him this weekend, and it's going super great. She laughs and pushes her hair back from her face. Her hair's tall in front, short like a boy's everywhere else, swooped up and over, and it stays put where she shoves it. Oh yeah, super great for sure. I tentatively set the dog on the ground and breathe a sigh of relief when the leash keeps him from escaping. He seems angry. My aunt works from home, so he's not used to being without her. It's pretty codependent, she says. It's lucky you were here, though, especially because you have super strength, ripping doors off of lockers and all. Oh, no. Oh, God, I'm sorry, she says, and everything must be apparent on my face. I just thought that it was funny. I'm an asshole. You're not an asshole, I say, which I can feel, even if I don't really know her. It's easy to forget sometimes that while others might get lost in the crowded halls of Magnolia Park High, Maddie and I were visible. We were one of those couples, and it doesn't hurt that Logan and James had been too, up until graduation last year. I accidentally am. The girl holds firm to the leash as the little dog strains against it. All of the time. Me too. I think of dad and how his face looked thinking about mom's spaghetti. It's hard not to be. Maybe for some people it's not, but for me it is. She watches me for a moment or two. So, where are you heading? None of your business, Quinn, is an acceptable answer, obviously. I'm just going to Vaughn's to buy, I shrug, whatever, non-vegetarian lasagna. Please, 
Don't buy pre-made lasagna, the girl, Quinn, says. My mom's half Italian. Microwave lasagna is an affront to our people. <laughs> this is how I end up in Vons, with a dog hiding in my bag, and Quinn loading a plastic grocery basket with lasagna ingredients. She shops with the confidence of an adult, decisively selecting meats and cheeses and pasta, and asking me questions about my family's spice cabinet. <laughs> we walk back to Quinn's aunt's house to drop off the dog, and then I lead Quinn back to my house. Dad looks understandably surprised to see so much activity in the kitchen, but Quinn has such a command of everything that it somehow normalizes the situation. I don't really help, but I don't think that it matters. I guess I should go, Quinn says once she slid the lasagna into the oven. She turns and flashes me a smile. Check on Buckley. Who's Buckley, I ask, and she laughs. The beast from hell who ate your chapstick, she says, because that ended up being the only consequence of hiding the dog in my purse. Good luck, I tell her, and thank you for helping me. Tell me how it turns out, she says with a nod to the oven. I take out my phone to get her number. There are five new texts from Maddie, and while a strong and brave person would delete them immediately, I know I'll read them as soon as I have a moment alone. I like your friend, Dad says once Quinn's gone. Why hasn't she been around more? It suddenly seems silly to admit I'd never even spoken a word to Quinn before tonight, so I just smile and shrug. Text messages between Cat and Quinn. Cat. Oh. My. God. Quinn. Is everything okay? Cat. This lasagna! Quinn, oh God, now I really need to know, is everything okay? Cat, <laughs> heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. Quinn, I'll try to remain humble, but it's a good recipe. Cat, thank you so much for rescuing me and my dad from the frozen kind. You're a saint. Quinn, I'm not sure if saints ever wanted to murder an innocent dog, but thank you. Cat, innocent? He tried to escape. He ate a chapstick. <laughs> Quinn, well, you've got him there. Escape and chapstick eating are capital offenses. California will have to bring back the death penalty. Thank you. Now you guys can believe me, it's not all sad. Okay, if any of you have ever come to one of my events before, you know that I love a Q&A. So I'm gonna do a Q&A now, and then I already told the events person that I get out of hand and she'll cut me off when it's been too much Q&A, <laughs> because this is my vice. So anyway, you can ask me about this book, you can ask me about any of my last books, you can ask me about writing. Um, people had some questions for me at other events about Grey's Anatomy news. Um, <laughs> people do wanna talk to me about the last five years. Um, I think that's all that's come up so far, but who knows what could come up tonight? This is my home. Yes, Sarah? <laughs> the coolest fact about me, I like to make charts. Oh my gosh, I had so, yes. I had, so I had multiple spreadsheets. I had one that was just like what happened in every month in order of like time. And then I did one that was in like, because cats went forward and James went backwards, I like took the same thing and like flipped it around to make it like that. And then I did one where you had to look at it together and then I had one where you had to look at it apart. And then I, the same on the linear one where it was like normal, normal. 
um, together and separate. I had, I had one that was like a line graph of their emotions. So <laughs> this is what normal people do, right? So basically, because I was jumping back and forth between the chapters and, you know, the very last chapter, James is going off to college. She's super heartbroken by her best friend breakup. She's so sad. And so her feelings are like completely different when you jump to Kat's perspective. It's the beginning of the year. She's still best friends with James. Like, she's not worried about that at all. So I had a chart that was like this chapter. It's like this feeling of goodness and this feeling of sadness. And then it was like they were like going like this. And... I'm not sure if that helped, but I liked looking at it. It made me feel like, I feel like sometimes, I don't know about the writers in this room, sometimes you make a chart, you're like, well, that was the work today. <laughs> Feels like I can go back to watching Frasier now. <laughs> so, yes, it was, it was all of, it was all of that. Um, and probably some other ones I'm forgetting, but it was the mainly... There were color codes, yeah, for sure. Because there's two, that was the fun of two characters. I was like, two love interests? Two color codes for charts. Uh, next question. Yes, Elise. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you. So when I wrote this, I had never all, I never made lasagna, but I was like, I can think about it. And then, can't we all? <laughs> Um, but I am really snobby about things where I'll be like, well, it's not worth eating if it's not homemade. But like, I won't make it. I just won't have it, which is, I don't know if that's the best method. So I did make lasagna last Christmas. And the whole time I was like, this is like in my book, except I'm making it for myself. <laughs> and then I didn't make like the traditional recipe. I did like a bechamel and I did like, instead of ricotta, it's the smitten kitchen one. It takes two days, but I tell you if you have two days, it's worth it. Um, what a time to be alive when you have two days to make lasagna. <laughs> I could tell you why. It, it's not worth it. Anyway, then I told a friend about it. She's like, oh, well, a real Italian wouldn't do that kind of recipe. And I'm like, well, I guess that's not what she made then. So anyway, at some point, maybe I will do the one in the book. But I like that bechamel sauce. Yes, Britta. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did read it, like, I, I wrote parts of it, like, flipped back together so it would hopefully make sense. But I never read the finished one, like, the Memento DVD. So <laughs> I wish, like, there was, like, a secret thing on, like, the ebook where you could click it. On the audiobook, you could probably just download the chapters and put them in that order. That's true. All right, audio readers. What? Oh, yeah. This is a, I feel like this would make me feel cool. You have to buy it. Remember how they re-released Twilight and then it had like a flipped Twilight at the end? What if we convinced them that the paperback has to be twice as long, but the second version is the same, just in that order? Oh, my God, so many ideas. Thanks, Britta. This, I get to be a real hipster snob here. So I was friends with someone who had been in the original workshop of it. And um, 
I lived in St. Louis at the time, and they were doing the first out-of-town previews in Schaumburg, Illinois. So she bought me tickets to it and was like, go see it. They're real cute young actors. And it was like Norbert Leo Butts and Lauren Kennedy, pre-Sherry Renee Scott off-Broadway. And it was amazing. And it was before he had to make the changes because his ex-wife sued him. It was a better script, but it was probably inappropriate if he was sued over it. So... I have, like, a real, like, I've got, so I have this, like, forever relationship with it because I've saw it so long. I saw it, like, so before everyone else did. And and I was just really, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, I'm probably less starry-eyed about it now because I, my event on Boston was, like, a double feature. Like, we did the Q&A and then we watched the movie. And by the end of the movie, we were all just screaming at Jamie. This girl, this girl who, like, had never seen it before, like, a sweet young teen reader is like, he is trash! <laughs> I will say the movie is less nuanced as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, so yeah, so it's always sort of been in my life for like a very long time. I initially thought about telling the story backward. I just like the idea of seeing stuff after it was over and what that looks like. And I thought backward was the best way to accomplish that. But I really wanted to do two points of view because every time I sat down to like, what's this going to be like? It was just like one girl being mean to another girl. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like that for a lot of reasons. And also in life, I don't feel like we're really like heroes and villains. Usually there's usually like two people just trying really hard and it's very hard to be a person. It turns, I don't know about, maybe your experiences have been different. For me, it's just my worst fights. So you look back on them, you're like, what was that even about? It was just like, I was going through one thing and someone's going through, and it just feels really hard to make it, you know, a co like this cohesive thing. So, so yeah, so that's sort of how it, when I was like, well, if it was two points of view, how could it be backward? I was like, oh, like the last five years. And then I got really excited and I like wrote just a few chapters. It was like, I'm a genius. Sent it to my agent, and she was basically like, no one will believe that you can. You have to finish this. And I was like, finish it with no money. But I did, and then it sold for money then. So it all, that's the lesson. Sometimes right on spec, even when you are scared and you're annoyed at your agent. She's probably right. Yes, Amina? Uh, For me, I feel like friendship breakups are the worst ever. And also because when you have a, like, so let's say like somebody romantically dumps you. Well, that sounds wrong. In a romantic relationship, you get, it's not like here's a rose, <laughs> but you're not on tomorrow's episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I feel like, okay, let's say you get dumped. You can call your friends and be like, please take care of me. And they will take care of you. And by the way, this could be your husband. This could be a guy you went on a date and a half with. People will take care of you. And I don't feel like that happens in friend breakups. Like your friend of 10 years can be like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And people are like, that's a bummer. Anyway. <laughs> and you're like, anyway, this is all I have. And... I just felt like it's it can be so soul-destroying, soul very hard, and yet we also don't talk about it as a culture, and yet every time I talk to someone about friend breakups, everyone's like, oh God, here's the worst one I went through. It still haunts me. Or like people had been like, I'm going through this right now. I don't know who to talk to. And it's so common, and I was, you know, I'm not like, I am the voice for all, but I, I was like, let's start having stories where this is seen as, as serious as, you know, a romantic breakup. So that's why I wanted to do it. Yes, and. So here's the, here's what happened. 
I couldn't sell Summer Jordy Perez to save my life. And I was like, no one wants what I'm selling. What if I, I'll write something sad. That'll show them. And then Summer of Jordy Perez sold, came out, was very successful. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> they did want that. And I've done another thing. Shit. So I really was, I mean, not like scared's not the right, all the authors here know. You put a book out and people say something they think is nice, which is like, I can't wait for your next book. I bet it'll be even more like this. And you're like, even more like the book this is? No, I, I don't even know what that means. And then you get, and you work yourself up. You get scared that everyone's going to hate everything else. And so I'm just like, you know what? I hope that the things about my other books that people like are still here because there's, obviously there's a meat cute, there's lasagna, there's romantic lasagna. And, and also it was kind of fun because it wasn't like the rom, the romance wasn't the main plot. You, I get to like do stuff like app, like the first like two of Kat's chapters would be like the entire rom-com if it was a rom-com. So the nice thing is then you get to like give them problems and have them like have talks about their relationship. And like that's actually really fun to do and you can't fit that into a rom-com. So it kind of gave me some fun stuff. But yeah, I'm st I still feel like there's plenty of reviews that are like, well, I still like Jordi Perez more. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> I like all of them. But yeah, and even now I'm like, oh, should my next one be serious? Like, what's it? It's it's just constant. It can't turn it off. I saw Carrie before. Do you still have a question? I do always give love interest really good hair, which to me is just usually sort of swoopy somehow. I feel like swoopy is always used. Um, Quinn's hair was also described at another point in the book as looking like Justin Bieber's most iconic haircut. I feel good about that. <laughs> I'm like on Justin Bieber, no. On a cute girl, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, good hair is a big quality. I just like, I, I, I find all sorts of different people cute. I love writing about it. I love writing about people who maybe would be seen as ordinary by someone else, but to you, they are so special and so beautiful and you can't stop thinking about them. Like, that was my favorite part of writing Kissing Ted Callahan because, like, Ted Callahan is, like, a real, like, dorky guy who just happened to become the fixation of Riley and he's, like, a god in the book. And it's, like, it's so funny just being, like, oh, that awkward person I would have a crush on, they get to be the lead romantic figure in a book. And I, like, to me, those are always the people I had crushes on. It wasn't, like a popular person because that was not what was happening for me. So, and so I, lo I like, I love finding like the awkward, sweet, you know, shy or just sort of like off center people that maybe would be in the background of something else and they get to like be the lead in a romantic comedy. And I know I was like saying the thing about the two points of view, but again, if any of you were like, should I write two points of view? You get to put two like different love interest in it. It's pretty good. Yes, Kayla. I feel like one-on-one -on -one we can totally talk about this, but I like to leave it ambiguous. Well, as ambiguous as the title and like this is, if you read the book, I feel like it's a little ambiguous. But, but yeah, we can talk more one-on-one -on -one about that. I will say that all my rough, young friendship breakups, we all ended up fine later. Yes, Gwen. 
That's so funny because my, my agent sent me a thing earlier that was like, let me know if there's any IP projects you'd like to get into. And I was like, should I say Grey's Anatomy? No, what is the novelization? I'm going to say it. <laughs> I have like sat down and been like, how can I make what I like about this into a YA novel? And I'm like, I mean, you can't. You can't. Because a lot of the stuff I like would be inappropriate in a YA novel. I was talking about that the other day because, do you know, like at the end of every, uh, some of you are old here, I guess. I may be the oldest, but Julie is younger than me and she referenced it. Anyway, Doogie Howser at the end, he would always have, like, he had like an old computer and he would be like, that's how I learned about saving a life and kissing a lady. XOXO Doogie, or whatever happened, right? But that's what he did at the end. So I was like, what if, you know, like Meredith Grey has a voiceover the whole time? Is that her version of the Doogie Howser writing into his, I don't know, I've been thinking about this. And I'm like, where's that going? What's that voiceover storytelling? And then I was like, that's IP. I was like, no, it's not. You're just coming up with weird things you think and trying to make money off the, that's actually being a writer, Never mind. Um, anyway, Gwen, great question. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably all hear from Shonda's lawyers any moment. Yes. Yes, but not by me. Um, I jokingly had been titling it The Last Friend Year the entire time I wrote it. And then, I mean, my age, I was like, don't even send it out like that. My agent's like, oh yeah, we'll sell it. like. And she sold it like that. And then even my editor was like, we cannot announce it like that. So I came up with like a very Amy Spaulding title of The Last Year of James and Cat. And my editor, who's like a smart business lady, was like, no one knows who James and Cat are and why a last year matters to them. It's going to be called We Used to Be Friends. And I was like, and then my agent was like, I love Veronica Mars. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I will say, by the time it's your sixth book, you do, you're not precious about a lot of stuff. Like, my first book, had they done that, I would have been like, I don't even watch the show that much. Like, I was like, it's fine. But now everyone's like, oh, I see that you named a character Logan. And I'm like, oh, no, but, like, I didn't. People are looking for Easter eggs and finding them, and I'm like, they're not there. I didn't know. So, yes. My editor and agent are a big fan of Veronica Mars, and that's what happened to me. <laughs> yes. Well, here's like an embarrassing story I can tell you, which is that The Summer of Jordi Perez was the easiest book I ever wrote, and I thought, I figured it out. I figured out writing. This is how you write a book. I just heard like some deep intakes of breath. <laughs> You're all waiting for the fall. Um, and yeah, that's what happened. I started to write this, and I was like, this is very hard. Turns out I learned to write one book very well and had to relearn. Yeah, it took a lot of false starts. I think, I think the hardest thing was that I wanted it to be a friendship breakup book, and so I was just like trying to write these characters who were going through stuff and different, and I was never thinking about, like, but who are they? Like, what are they actually going through? And it wasn't until I sort of had, like, I was like, oh, I have this idea for my next book. And then I was like, oh, I think that's just Kat's POV. That's just what Kat's story is. And then it was easier to fill in James. And then all of a sudden it sort of came together. But it still, I kept having to stop because the two timelines were just so confusing and hard at times. And also, guys, so I was working on this book in like early, mid-2016 as a draft. And then around like late October 2016, my anxiety like went, I know it's crazy, but it went through the roof. And this dum-dum was like, why don't you wait till mid-November when everything gets back to normal and you can finish your lovely book about girls then in a great world. And that's not what happened. And it took a lot longer to write it because I was also just going through a lot of severe uh, 
country-related anxiety. So, yeah, every part of this book was very hard. And it turns out the hard ones and the easy ones read the same in the end, which is not fair. <laughs> Another question? Jeff. Uh, so I really That's not how questions work. What a man thing to do. I want to steal a thing a woman did 20 minutes ago and take credit. It was, a, I mean, it was a lot. It was the logistical part of just getting the timelines, like having two stories that had, you know, the middle is often the worst part to write, but I like two middles and also the middles had to go together. And people were saying things like, oh, can't wait till the storylines cross. I'm like, oh no, I have to think of something when they cross. And... I was, like, all the logistical stuff was scary, but also, you have to really dive into some emotional stuff to write, like, fight scenes and, like, hurt feeling scenes, and I was taking things that, like, people had said to me that hurt my feelings, and I was also, like, doing things that I know I'd hurt other people's feelings with, and sometimes I find that funny for some reason, like, me being bad amuses me, because I hope I'm better now, but, like, other people being mean to me, I'm like, oh, no, remember that, it was really sad, so... Having to, like, kind of dive in and remember some fights in the past, remember some, like, just gross things I felt was also not fun. No, you just literally wanted to steal it. Yeah. Sarah. You should look at Goodreads. They definitely think there is a mean girl. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I can't fully say because I have feelings. Um, I will say I relate to the one of the characters a lot more. And so I worked really hard on the other one to make sure she was given as much empathy and nuance and that it would hopefully balance out. And I feel like the first time I got notes on it, everyone was like, what's wrong with this one girl? And then when I got notes the next time, it felt like a little more in the other girl's direction. And so I felt like by the time I'd been through editorial and everything, it felt like it evened out. But yeah, people, I mean, of course the internet has opinions. Have you heard about them? <laughs> but yeah, my goal too when writing it was if you read like a cat chapter, you were like, James is an idiot, cat is right. And then if you get, to, and then you get to a James chapter, you're like, no, never mind. I just wanted you to kind of go back and forth. One really funny thing is these wonderful ladies who read the audiobook only read like their character, and like Cassandra was just like, God, James, I hate you, and Julia just said some not kind words about Kat, so it was pretty great. So, oh, Goodreads really does not like Kat as much. <laughs> But, like, James is the introverted, quiet one, and it feels like maybe a place where readers gather. They might like that one a little more. I also feel like, like, I feel like James suffers more in the book, but Kat suffered a lot before the book starts, and I feel like people lose track of that. Anyway, I think, I think they're both great because I made them both as fictional people, and I support them both. Yes, Robin? One, my second book, Ink is Sicker Than Water, is in St. Louis. Oh, okay. 
Ooh, I might. I'll let you know. Um, as far as another city goes, I think about this often. I think the only way I would do it is maybe set like a summer book in another city where the person I'm writing is also new to it. Because I, I love a lot of other cities and like I've always wanted to write a New York book. I wouldn't mind writing another St. Louis book. But I haven't lived in St. Louis 15 years. I've lost a lot of its – like I go back to visit and I'm like, that's gone, that's gone. Why they put that there? It like feels very – it doesn't feel quite like home in the same way. And I only want to write a setting that feels like as lived in is like – like like you said, to like not know the like – the side that people not from here think they know about it. I always want to do that other thing. So, yeah, I think about that too. I'm also feeling like I'm running out of neighborhoods. Once you hit your sixth book, you're like, what? All the neighborhoods – and also a lot of the east side neighborhoods are very close. They all touch, so – yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, my God. Can I just write about St. Louis? It's like the flight to St. Louis or a drive to the west side. All right. Yes, Aquila. Oh, what a nice greeting. I think about this kind of stuff all the time because I'm like a nerd. And also all the Sarah Dessen books have stuff like that. But I feel like when she does it, it's charming. And if I did it, people would be like, all right. Um, <laughs> I will say in the summer, Jordi Perez, they go to see a band. And I don't say it, but it is Riley's band from Kissing Ted Callahan. No one has ever commented on this because I probably, I think I made it way too vague. But <laughs> yeah, I would love to do more stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like. Here's the other problem, which is like a real annoying legal thing, but a lot of my books have different publishers, so like not everyone owns the same rights to the same characters. I put painted myself in a weird legal corner. Wait, there was someone? Yes, Julie. Well, no, I was gonna say, it's. I do not read Grey's Anatomy fan fiction, but I really, I wish I did. And I don't read fan fiction because I'm always like, you have to honor the creators, because what, no. Um, I mean, what they're doing right now is basically fan fiction, so who knows? Um, I just read Pachinko, which was like the National Book Award finalist a couple years ago. It was, I, I loved it I, I, so much. Uh, the last YA I read that I really liked was Cameron Garrett's Full Disclosure, which is about a girl born HIV positive, and she's starting to date, so she's having to think about talking about her status for the first time. But it's got a lot of, like, that sounds so heavy, but there's, like, a lot of theater nerd stuff, and it's very cute and fluffy, so don't, don't worry. Um, and then I feel like the best thing I read last year was Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror, which I tell everyone about. Um, I think about it all the time. Everyone's like, I read it so slowly and took my time. I was like, oh, I started it with three days left due at the library. I read it fast. But it's, I, I love that a lot. So that's, that's some recent reads from me. Yes, Anne. Oh, my God. I have never had an experience in a theater like Cats, which is that I was full body weeping for most of it with laughter. I mean, a lot of people in this room, we all saw it. We like bought out a whole row at the Arclight. We saw it on New Year's Day. And it is, I don't, what's the word for Cats? Jarring? Like, <laughs> literally it starts and there's like a cloud that looks like a cat and we just like, everyone lost it then. We're like, we're, we're already out of it. Um, the part where Judy Dench appears was magnificent. Um, everyone in the theater applauded. Um, I, every time that they would just show, like, they'd be like, McCaffrey. And then someone would go, ineffable. And he would just, like, 
what? No one set out what was happening. I think they put the A-list talent on a, they invented that barge plot line because the A-list talent didn't want to be there all the time. Do you guys notice that only famous people went to the barge? Anyway, I had a very, I had maybe the best time at the theater I've ever had at that movie, but it's very bad. Like, but also what is Cats? You know what I mean? Like I loved it as a child. I still love it as a theatrical experience, but like, I don't even know. I could, I could literally just, spitball stuff about cats all day. Um, I think we can all agree Skimble Shanks is the best cat though. <laughs> Do we have another question? I will keep going otherwise and I should stop myself. Yes, the railway cat. I was just on a train on the weekend and I was like, but he wasn't, he's not real. And if he was, he wouldn't be in Boston. There was, yes. <laughs> Ooh, I could do it. Um, my lovely friend Maddie, who's sitting right next to you, did James's playlist because James listens to cooler music than I do. And, um, but... <sighs> It was also like I just wanted her to make a really realistic playlist and there's like a lot of like like non-family friendly language in it and like words about women that we don't all like like as a group but like we can listen to in songs and I feel I always feel weird as a YA author to be like listen to this music kids um and then the cat half is all just like Tegan and Sarah and John Allison Weiss and like just like all the feels queer mu queer pop music yeah so I, that was just songs I had on my desktop that day <laughs> So it was, I listened to that a lot in my car, sort of like less on the getting into each of their heads super well, but sort of to remember to keep the balance and to keep it like top of mind when I was doing other stuff. Do we do one more question, then we'll sign? Great. Yes, Maureen. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Um, I wish I had like a great answer for you. I wrote a lot, I, had, I feel like I had the most false starts after this book. Because, like, after you do something kind of, like, big, you're like, I got to go big. And then, like, you're like, I don't actually like this. So then you write something small, and you're like, oh, it's too small. So um, I don't know. I wrote I wrote a script with my friend Jesse, who's here. We That's what I spent a lot of my creative time on this year, and that was really fun. I like only using, like, when you write with someone else, you only have to do half of the thinking sometimes. And that's great. Um, so that was really fun. I'm I've got some ideas in the works. I don't know. Maybe another YA rom-com soon with less sadness. I wish I had a cooler idea or a cooler thing to tell you guys now. Uh, let's do one more question because now I'm like, what a downer. I'm like, I don't know. Yes, Robin. Other Robin. <laughs> well, if you'd asked the first question, you could have been Robin. <laughs> or do you prefer Robin with a Y? Um, I love Sharon Dion and Clueless a whole bunch. Um, let me think. Taking away Meredith and Christina from me as an option was really cruel. Um, you're, you're correct. Um, you can do whatever you want to me. Also, this is a Q&A. The audience has the power. Um, yeah, I love Sharon Dion. Um, what else do I want? I feel like, what? 
Oh, Alicia Florick. And, and who? She has toxic, terrible friendships, Sarah. What? Christy and Marianne in the Babysitter's Club. Yes. That's perfect. Thanks for just supplying my answers as I near the, as I near the like brain dead portion of the, of the thing. Um, oh, I, do you know, these are books, not TV, but, um, so is the babies, whatever. Um, the children's series, Betsy Tacey and Betsy Tacey Tib, like I love them so much. I mean, that's my tattoo on my arm. So they're a huge part of, also like this friendship is very toxic, but like, uh, Ferrante's, uh, Neapolitan novels like that is the best friendship breakup slash they I mean they have other stuff going on there's a war and it's Italy a long time ago but like they need some therapy and to stop there's a real trashy man in that book that really br brings some women down um, anyway there's some stuff I think about thank you everyone for coming we did it I want to I say before, like, the signing's going to happen, but remember, there are still uh, beautiful... Uh, let's also... Can we applaud Su Young Yo for making these cookies? And if you haven't read the book yet, but Portos is in the book, so that's why I brought Portos. So there, I think there's still some Portos left, so please go for the Portos and the cookies. I'm going to take a cookie because I realized I didn't get one yet, and that would be tragic. And I will sign your books. I will, I don't know, chat with you more privately about... Justin Chambers leaving Grey's Anatomy. Does anyone have the gossip? I would like to know it. Um, and thank you again for coming. It means so much to me that all my friends, chosen family, et cetera, that you all show up here for me. It means a whole lot, especially six books in. So thank you for being here tonight. It means the world. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.